It was suggested to me that I could take a week off from the Owls AmeriCast, Sheffield Wednesday Opinion with an American Accent. But I am still your host, Jeffrey Paternostro, because I figured I watched the goddamn game. I don't do it for fun. So I got to do something with this information that is now in my brain and can't leave. To maybe kill a few more brain cells, I have poured myself a drink. And it's very chilly. It's a raw day here in southern New England. I wanted a dark beer. I was at the grocery store looking at the beer case. And like many grocery stores around here, I get a pretty good selection of local craft brews. And I have uh, drunk many Connecticut beers in this podcast, enjoyed them all. I think it's a good craft beer culture here now. But I'm staring at the case and there could be only one selection. And I, I will put it to Patty. I'll see if Patty can identify this just from the camera. Is it a stout? Yes, it's a stout. You want me to look it closer? <laughs> Herd Hurton. Her, it says H-R-D-H-T-N. No, the, the uh, glass has nothing to do with it, Patty. Oh, I want to identify the beer by looking at a, a, yeah. a glass of stout. Guinness. Yes. Milk no, stout. Left. It is a left-hand <laughs> milk stout, yes. It is, it, it is, as it says on the bottle, America's stout. It is, for my money, the greatest of all American stouts. And... Cheers to hopefully erasing some of the memories of the Wednesday game. Joining me to discuss that game, well, you already know, it's Patty Jones. Patty, what are you drinking? Good evening, Jeffrey. Sorry, I was half asleep. I wasn't getting the cues. Um, I am drinking, uh, I'm back on the Mictus. I've got an old-fashioned. Uh, I've had a couple of beers during the Rebels game, which was equally as awful more awful than the Lincoln Chester Wednesday game. So I am primed on bad football and I'm ready to talk about it. Always ready to talk about bad Wednesday football in Queens, soon to be called for an interview for the Mets GM job. It's James Allen. James, what are you drinking? Does that basically being a fan of a perennially underachieving team means that no, you're it's, it's, always it's the crossover with, with my Mets podcast since they can't get anyone to interview for the job right now. It's so toxic. <laughs> Oh, yeah, no, I'm game. Why not? New professional challenge. Um, what am I drinking? I was a bit upset, actually. I was um, I was hoping to bring on a very well-themed beer called Behold True Sorrow from Big Alice, but I drank it all and then they ran out. So I'm having to go with a backup from Greenpoint Brewing Company, which is just across the uh, the Newtown Creek. Um, I'm drinking Walk of Shame, which mm. is a double dry hopped uh, double IPA. So Is that because you have to go over and back across the Superfund site to get it? Uh, it's pretty much having to cross the Pulaski Bridge is, uh, is an adventure into itself. But yeah, no, I think it pretty much describes the current mood on this podcast. So off we go. And because we need four people to discuss another Wednesday draw in New England, it's Justin DeSarger. Justin, what are you drinking? Well, so people might have known we had a huge storm uh, hit eastern New England and Cape Cod today. Uh, Apparently 94% of my town is without power. I am in that lucky 6%, which is nice. But every single liquor store, I, uh, yes, I did go to many liquor stores today, even though the power was out to see what was happening. Uh, they were all uh, not operating. So when I came home, I found some uh, vodka in the back of the uh, liquor cabinet, a few dashes of vermouth still left over. And uh on some old olives in the refrigerator. So I have uh, made myself a lovely dirty martini and I will be uh, drinking that while taking mild umbrage at the thought that I am merely uh, just the fourth uh, brought in to fill some quota. 
Jeff, as if I oh. don't bring a little bit more to the table than that. Well, you said you were lucky that you still had power. We'll see how the rest of the podcast goes. You still feel that <laughs> way at the end of it. But we will discuss. Thank you. I had completely forgotten who they played. Patty did mention it was Lincoln City. So we'll discuss the Lincoln City game. It doesn't matter. It's the same game every week. We will cover the Wednesday news. We will preview Cheltenham Town. We will start. Is it Cheltenham Town? I don't even know. Cheltenham? Is it just Cheltenham? The Chelties? I know it's the Robins. Whatever. Whatever. We'll get there eventually. I just, when I say take it away, Justin, he'll handle it from there. It doesn't matter what team it is. But we will start with the Lincoln City game. And your thumbs up, Patty. Oof, you're really coming in hot there, Jeff. Uh, I had a thumbs down for this. I didn't have many thumbs ups. We um, always do like, are you not familiar with the format of the show? <laughs> we might at some point need up. to change it. But four unbeaten, I mean, you can't really argue with that, right? Yeah, so my thumbs up will go to, um, I think, Fizz uh, again. Uh, I, I feel like uh, Deli Bashiru uh, is probably one of the, one of two people that uh, I won't try and claim the other one in case someone else wants to use as their thumbs up that maybe stood out on the date. Uh, Lincoln's trying to make things happen. Um, it's an obvious pick, I think. I think he's grown into this role in centre midfield over the last few games. Um, and for me at the moment, is the only one on the team sheet that's really staking a claim for the next game. Um, he's certainly improved his... Uh, release of the ball, which we've complained about in the past. So we've, I've complained about him just running into people a lot. Um, he certainly still does that. But <laughs> now half the time he's passing it before it happens. So that's good. And he's, the other half, well, they're bouncing off him anyway. So Yeah, uh, it's, it's just, it's, it's the right, it's the right time for FDB. It's the right time for FDB and the right time for uh, him to save our season. So I'm, uh, I'm well up for it. And I don't know if you guys have got uh, another thumbs up. The, do you know the other thumbs up I'm talking about? The other top performer this season? I'm, I'm guessing you're talking about a Denneran for yeah. his performance. Yeah. I the, what, what they've both been providing, and, and that's a great call for Fizz, his last couple of games, um, and what a Denneran has provided all year, is really a lot of energy and, and a sense of urgency in that midfield. And too often mm-hmm. we're, we're on here complaining about how slow our buildup is and you know how, how difficult it is for us to get a ball turn and move it upfield whether it's Baz holding it up for a long pass or you know holes opening up or you know wing playing too deep and unable to make the kind of incisive passes he needs to make these are two guys who are getting the ball and turning and running and when the other team has the ball they are aggressively attacking them and that's you know, to me, that's I think you're you're dead set on that, Patty. That's the that's the energy level that we need out of our central midfielders. So while I definitely would put a Denneran on the sheet before Fizz, I don't really have much of a problem with you saying that he's a priority right now to get into that lineup to provide that kind of energy and incisiveness. It's a bit uh, a bit selfish of you both there taking the two only thumbs ups and then leaving that's me not, the, that's the, not the third slot, up. right? That's not my thumbs up. Paddy, I, th- I thought you were going to say um, Marvin Johnson's left centre-back. I mean, um, I'll get, what, I'll get what a commanding that. performance there by your favourite <laughs> utility player. Um, actually, to be fair to Marvin Johnson, I don't think he did too badly, all things considered. And all things considered being, even if he had any idea what was going on, no one else did. Um, Fizz was great. So, yeah, let's just 
simply third that he was uh, he was a bundle of energy and like his his attitude has changed which has changed his work rate and that's that's giving us a glimmer of hope one little other thumbs up lincoln city traveling support what did they bring about three thousand to hillsborough um that's probably yeah, the same shout. size as a home gate for lincoln city so uh, so kudos to them because i can think of nights in the championship where teams have brought 50 fans from across the pennines that was really nice to see okay justin what is your actual thumbs up then uh, my actual thumbs up is uh, should follow the thumbs down, which we'll get to that in a little bit. But again, the, we uh, do the thumbs up first. I don't know why. Yes, but I, 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 I love disrupting your system, Jeff. Mm, That's yeah. all there is to it. Uh, my my thumbs up is that uh, despite what we talk about in our thumbs down, um, we are still within a punt of the playoff places, despite not having played particularly well. Being I'm stuck in four. Eight in a groundhog day of, uh, you know, minor league one teams that we can't seem to beat, but we are, you know, within a shout of the playoff spots, not playing our best football and with, you know, 35 plus too many games to go. Um, so, well, I, uh, you know, I, I think that the fan base is rightly annoyed at the performances. I think there's a little, it's a little too much uh, hyperbole going on and, and really kind of an over-the-top reaction to every little thing that goes wrong. And, and I'm still feeling kind of positive about the fact that despite us not playing the way we want to play and things not seeming to improve, yes, this is a thumbs up, uh, we have quite some time to settle into it and uh, you know find the form that I think we're certainly capable of. James, do you have a thumbs up prepared or are you going to try to start with your thumbs down too? No, I've covered the only glimmers of hope that I could find there. So I just simply echoed Fizz and said, nice work, Lincoln City. That's it. That's the only positive. That's all you got? That's, well, my that's thumbs- not all I've got. That's all there is. <laughs> my, my thumbs up is everything that happened between the two goals. Um, even the first goal was like a little bit dodgy. Fizz created kind of something out of nothing. Nice shot, nice save. A Denneran, like a Denneran finish from a tough angle. So all credit to him jumping on the, the rebound and being first to it and finishing. But I thought they actually did get their tails up for the 15 or 20 minutes in between the goals. And I'm going to use that transition to my thumbs down, which is I like I don't blame this for Wednesday conceding. Wednesday we're going to concede. It's what they do. But the refereeing standard in this league is so bad. So I don't know if you remember the lead up to the corner kick involved Adenarin and the ref, I, I, sorry, the ref directly staring at Adenarin landing on the back of his neck and just waving play on to continue that eventually led to the corner kick. And then going back to get let the medical team on the field to, to deal with him. And like, thankfully he was okay and could continue the, the game, but there's a head injury role for a reason. And that has to be implemented and applied appropriately. And he fell on the back of his neck. He got, he got undercut. You want to say that was a 50, 50 ball and not really a foul. Fine. And you play a drop ball off it, but that like, that cannot happen. And it's, it's something else every week where the refereeing standard is just mind blowingly poor to me. Yeah, I, look, it's not going to improve either. We just got to get used to it. Yeah, no, I be, agree. Yeah, there's not going to be a, a, a meeting of referees halfway through the season to go. By the way, guys, 
we were really fucking laying the sides down here. We should start looking at what's going on in the field and reread our rules books. Uh, we've just got to accept this is a terrible, terrible um, level of uh, officiating. Um, but and again, not responsible for the on. goal. They let uh, they let a Lincoln City player beat two Wednesday players for a simple near post flick down header. It's just the way you would draw it up on the training pitch. I, you can maybe throw a little complaint Peacock Farrell's way for not being able to claw it out, but it's a tough point blank save. And the fact that he even got to a hand to it, I think was, you know, going to lead people to think that, but I, I don't think he's really primarily at fault there. Now, just to, to discuss briefly the officiating issue, I, I think Patty's got the right of it and you just can't, you have to deal with it. The problem is, this is, we were talking about it last year too, talking about how poor the quality was in the championship. And we watch Premier League games and, and the quality is poor. The, the problem is the standard of, of athlete and, and the way that the game is played today is so fast. It's just so fast. Literally, unless he, a Denneran had beaten his man and was getting side down. Like that was the only like clear foul call I saw given for Wednesday. Yeah, I just I, I, I think it's too it's too much. And, and yeah. most of the refs are older anyway. They're, they're not able to keep up with the pace of the game and, and it trickles down. They can barely keep up with the Premier League. So those refs who can't cut it there in the championship, which as we saw last year and we've discussed over the last few years, it's really on the whole, it's a pretty quality league. Uh, you know, top 10 in Europe, I, I would say, for, for ability and, and talent, uh, if not uh, money and crowd size. But even League One, uh, well, it is complete and utter crap. There are still, you know, major, major teams in here and there are legitimate players here that can be playing at a higher level. And the officiating, when you get down to this standard is, you know, it, it's barely professional and it, it's hard to, to blame these guys. But we're seeing right now in uh, youth ice hockey right now, a dearth of officials. Uh, they're canceling games left and right. They can't get officials involved because the amount of abuse they take. So no young people want to become officials. And we know it's the same in football, especially in Europe. All the refs do is take abuse. Why would anybody want to get involved? So we're left with a bunch of older officials who can't keep up and aren't adapted to the modern game. So, you know, Jeff, I agree with you. That's the thumb down. But Patty's right. We're, you know, strap in. We're, we're going to see bad officiating the rest of the year. And you know what? If, even if we get back up to the next level, we're going to see some pretty poor officiating, too. Hey, Justin, I can find a positive in that, which is despite how absolutely abysmal we are, we don't appear to be heading into the bottom half of the table just yet. So we aren't going to experience League Two refereeing just now, at least on current <laughs> well, that, form. I, that was my thumbs up, basically. You said it much better than I could have. <laughs> We're not a sinking ship at the current Is that moment. the most optimistic James has ever been on this podcast? It's up there. In the last oh, three years, yeah. No, we... I feel like there were some moments last year, even this summer, you you piped in with some hope. You had some hope. Where's that gone, James? <laughs> Where's it gone, Justin? Where, where do you think? Down the toilet with this club. Oh, sorry. Did I, I go back to type? There we go. I'll try and stay on the podcast. Well, what's, what's your thumbs down, James? Can I go on a segue, Joe? Always. Right. Because let's be honest. The goal we conceded was the same goal we conceded against Cambridge. The uh, The draw against... Lincoln was the same draw we had against Wimbledon, blah, 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 blah. This is miserable. Lincoln City, Morecambe, Fleetwood, Wimbledon, Cambridge, Oxford. We can't beat any of them. 
so uh, so I was sat on the sofa on uh, on Saturday morning watching this kind of obvious train of events taking place yet again. And my son said to me, Daddy, have Sheffield Wednesday any, ever been any good? Um, so my thumbs down is that at that moment, I suddenly became that old man, that, that kind of that grandpa moment that we've all had, right? Do you remember when you, you'd go around to your grandparents' house and they'd like, you know, they'd start going off on one about a story of something that happened when they were young and you couldn't relate to it? It sounded kind of cool, but it just was completely detached from the reality that you knew. So I gave my son that story. And it was all about when daddy was a kid, when daddy was 10 years old, 1991, just how bloody good we were. And it came into sharp relief this week, right? So it was the 30th anniversary of the game at Hillsborough, October 1991, where Wednesday beat Man United 3-2, came back from 2-1 down. And I can literally remember every vivid memory of that afternoon. They can probably do that this year, of- to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe we would actually based on their performance on Sunday against Liverpool. But that that day, it was kind of one of those kind of crisp, but somehow both crisp and damp at the same time, which is something only England can evoke in October. Afternoons, Wednesday beaten Man United in the Rumbleos Cup final earlier on in the year. Man United were up for revenge. Um, you had kind of Matt Busby in the stands. You know, it was, it, it was that type of game. Hillsborough's absolutely rammed. And David Hurst basically scored a header from whatever it was, about 500 yards out, or at least that's what my 10-year-old self thought it was. It turns out, watching the replays, he was about eight yards out on the edge of the box. But <laughs> I was just kind of regaling this to my son and going through this and going through Jemson's goals and just going through what it was like to be a fan back then. And I realised, like, it's just so far away now. It is, it is so far away when you sit like through a game like we did on Saturday. And that that's my thumbs down. It's, it's just that... It's really hard to have hope when we've come so far away and it's taking so long for us to turn this ship around. I don't know if you know this, James. We are actually old now. Yeah, I feel it. Patty, what's your thumbs down? Well, I'm, uh, I'm jumping on the Darren Moore uh, aggro bandwagon, but I'm not, I'm not going all the way to the uh, final destination. I'm just hitching a ride. Uh, my thumbs down is Darren Moore as, with regards to his team selection and uh, putting Marvin Johnson specifically at centre-half. Um, shock horror, not my favourite decisions ever made. Um, I don't think he's a left-back, nor a centre-back. Um, look, and, and James, I think, was, I think it was off the record, James said that he didn't have a bad game. But the reason why he's playing Johnson there is it gives them balance. If we're... <laughs> We're picking players uh, in positions because of their feet they're most comfortable with. We're in a fucking dire situation. Like whether someone's left-footed or right-footed is not a reason to pick them in, in any position of a field. You need to be a defender. You need to be a midfielder. You need to be a striker. Yes, some people can be multiples of those. Marvin Johnson hasn't shown any discipline yet of being a defensive uh, player. Um, and while he was comfortable on the ball at the back, you don't take out uh, someone, or probably the only defender we've got that can head the ball at the moment when we're constantly losing headers in the box. Shay Dunkley, for all his faults, is by far the best uh, winner of the ball in the air that we have. Dominic Ayofa, fantastic defender, doesn't win many headers. If you look back on all the games we have, he's fantastic, don't get me wrong. Doesn't win many headers. You, you, could, you could blame him for the goal against Lincoln quite easily. Um, 
Liam Palmer, good defender, good fullback, doesn't win any headers. Put those three in centre half. We don't win any headers. None of them are. I mean, Iorfa I has played obviously more centre back in his career, but technically they're all fullbacks. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We played five fullbacks. <laughs> There's no reason. They've been playing three at the back for two weeks. They're shorthanded at centre back, as I mentioned last week. You're at home against Lincoln City. You can just play a four-two-three-one or a four-three-three. It's allowed. But it I matches think, up with the personnel that you have right now. I don't know whether Darren was thinking, hey, we're at home to Lincoln City. We can get away with playing Marvin Johnson at centre half. Maybe that's the, that's the attitude he's rolling the dice on here. It's like, hey, it's Lincoln City. Uh, but look, that's what ended up with us conceding the goal. We haven't got anyone to come in ahead of. We don't know where, who's defending uh, the near post and corners. It's poor organisation. Um, I, I just, I just think he's inviting the pressure, and it's unnecessary. We have Shade Uncle that could play that position. Uh, I don't understand that decision. And, and the only excuse he gave in this post-match interview and in, in the pre-match interview, I think he said, or oh, some other interview this week, was that it was for balance. Not good enough. It's not a good enough choice. The thing is, it's so that's the latest in a series of strange decisions for balance under Darren Moore. But for how long did we have Liam Palmer playing at left back? You know, we haven't had a properly executed backline in about three or four managers. Um, each manager seems to be kind of shuffling the deck to try and put square pegs in round holes, and it. It, it's curious when you think about the change of personnel that we had in the summer and the wingers, midfielders that we brought. Marvin Johnson, we did, technically we didn't solve a winger. That problem. Yeah, and Marvin Johnson <laughs> should be playing, what, left wing? I mean, that's his, that's his position. It's where he's played his whole career. So three months down the line for him to be a makeshift centre-back is just, it's mind-boggling. Um, it doesn't, the, the troubling part is it kind of almost feels like we were throwing spaghetti against the wall in the summer with the signings, that it was kind of, you know, let's get as many in based on availability, based on charisma, everything else. I mean, I'm not knocking the fact that we made changes, but it doesn't come across that we had a plan exactly how we wanted the team to play and how we wanted to set the side. And we have, we, they signed something like seven wingers and they're all healthy and I, I think varying degrees of useful. And they kept the same like two defensive center midfielders. They can never stay healthy and now there's nothing, there's no steal in the midfield. Well, I disagree slightly with that because I think uh, most of us praised the summer signings and because we took it on face value that we signed players for the positions that they were playing in, right? So, Adeniran well, was like, a box-to-box midfielder. For all the attacking um, players they Brown signed, they back. can't score goals. But it's about, well, and we also... It's not about really... Yeah, Patty, you're right, you're right, because we were limited in who we could sign. So, I think we were excited that we didn't have... we had to sign people more or less on freeze and yet were able to fill in positions of need supposedly. So sorry to cut you off, Patty. I was trying to support you. No, sorry. My dog's cutting me off because he just started speaking his time. Um, no, I was saying that I think we were, I thought our signings were quite balanced. Um, so my point was that I don't think it's right to turn on the signings like 10, 12 games in the season because I just think we were playing them in the right position. Like we, we signed a left back. It's called Jaden Brown. But then we found out five years into the season that no more signing as a winger. Well, that's, that's kind of my point, Paddy, which is that I'm not I'm not criticizing the individuals. I actually don't I don't think Marvin Johnson did anything particularly wrong on the weekend. 
to, to your point. I don't what, expect him the, to be a centre back winning a head. Right, what's the, the best quarter. you can expect there? Like maybe a six out yeah. of ten. Yeah. What 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 I what I what I have trouble with is I can't I can't see the logic flow that says I'm signing player X for position Y and then I'm going to put them in position Z. It doesn't <laughs> no, make sense. Like so, yeah. Jaden Brown was brought as a left back. Now it appears that he's better going forward than he is defending. It also appears like he has real trouble making a pass at the moment. So. Something went wrong in the scouting there. He's he the, the the kid clearly has talent. I'm not knocking him as an individual. I don't want to pile on of him, but he wasn't obviously the answer to our left back woes in the same way as Lewis Gibson was signed as the left centre back. And then we didn't play him for the first what eight, ten games. And we did play him, he's got injured and now we're um, we're left playing Marvin Johnson. But if he was signed as left centre-back, why wasn't he playing in the team in the first four or five games and getting a run and getting fitness? It, it Something doesn't add up in the way that players were signed and the way that they've been deployed. And as we yes. noticed, they haven't played the same. They changed the midfield three again this week. They have not played the same midfield three. I think they played the same midfield three once in the last six games or so at this point. And we keep talking about, and I think it's reasonable to say the squad needs time to gel. Squad that can't gel if Marvin Johnson is moving from left wing to left back to left center back in the course of two weeks. Yeah, this, this was my thumbs down was uh, same old shit. And uh, I will now confess to everybody what I confess to you guys. I watched the first 15 minutes of the game while sitting in the locker room, waiting for my U12 hockey team to, get ready to go. And then I had to shut it off for our uh, 10.30 game. Uh, went and watched the extended highlights, but from everything I saw online and the extended highlights in the beginning of the game, it was quite apparent that I didn't miss a goddamn thing. This is the same old story every week, which is, again, chopping and changing the lineup, moving people around, uh, not necessarily sticking with a formation. And again, we're, we're sort of looking at the last handful of weeks. It's been a really a 3-4-3, a three, three, but kind of plays out like a three, five, two, um, you know, when we have the ball uh, and okay, fine. Maybe he's determined that that's the plan with this lineup and the pieces that he has, but it's just, you know, like you just said, Jeff, it's not gelling. Uh, we're, we're unable to, you know, do the things that we need to do to score more than one goal. <laughs> or be, you know, effective going forward and, uh, you know, really threatening other teams. And then we are looking to give up a late goal every single week. And, and I don't remember which one of you said it, but this is killing me. We're going to look at the preview again today. It is. It's Lincoln City. It's Oxford. It's Cambridge. It's, it's Morecambe. It's all these teams that, fuck, this is not, like, we should not be at this level. Like we, we should not be at this level. And, and I do, I mean, my thumbs up. I, I want to give it some time. I think we need to be a little bit patient and give it a chance, but right now this is our level. We're having trouble say that beating there's these nothing, There's nothing right. in the first three months that suggests this is not Wednesday's level. Right. And that's damn like, you know, it's, especially when James brought up earlier, you know, talking about the good old days and all that, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't, even expect to get there. I don't, I don't know that I'm going to live to see us be what West Ham is right now or Leicester or, 
and that's okay. I, I'm I'm okay with that. Like you know what? They're I, just, under, I understand not. it. So listen, I know okay, you guys that's both fine. about me, me being Mister Negative, and the thing is, it's it, I'm not I'm not a negative person. That's good. What 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 I what I'm not is I'm not accepting that this is okay because this club, fair. the heritage, what what we have the good fortune to have lived through, it doesn't match up to this experience. No. So kind of the other side of the coin, you, you just quote West Ham. So I, <laughs> I watched a video last night. It was all the Premier League goals from the weekend, like, you know, all the haphazard defending from Old Trafford. But look at the technical quality of those goals. Every single goal scored in the Premier League this season, uh, sorry, the, this weekend was just, it wasn't just a level above us. It was levels, not two leagues, but like a completely different ecosystem beyond yeah. where we are. We've fallen so far. We haven't yeah. just, you know, we haven't just kind of fallen on bad times. We are, we are just simply operating in a different environment. We're playing a different game. We're dredging the very, very bottom of the ocean of football at the moment. And it's not good enough. It's not good enough that we don't have a plan. It's not good enough that we don't know what we're doing with our players. It's not good enough that the club can't explain what the system is. Um, and I, I think this is where the fan frustration kicks in, which is, you know, yes, we want to give people time. Yes, we want to give sides time to gel. Yes, people want to be patient. Yes, it takes time to turn a club around. But it can't take this long and it can't fall this far and the standards can't be this low. And and that doesn't come out of a place of negativity. It comes from just a place of sheer frustration that people can't do better. Right. It's not just 12 I, I, games, it's 20 years. Yeah. Well, so so I, get, I guess I think that's 100% fair and, and I'm not sure that I disagree with you at all other than... You know, my point, at least for this year, is that and, and with demonstrating a little bit more patience than some of our fan base has, is that theoretically, at least this is a little bit or should be a little bit of a reset. It's a new manager. It's 12 new players. It's uh, possibly a new uh, attitude up top. Uh, that doesn't excuse what the last you know X amount of years have been because uh, it's been shit. Uh, but, you know, you, you, you do make a good point about it's very understandable why our fans are as frustrated as they are. Um, and, and I think it's just one of those things where human nature is you need a target. You need something to focus your ire and your frustration and your 20 plus years of, you know, uh, disappointment and, and, you know, uh, disgust with whatever negative uh, quote you want to put on that. Um, yeah. And I just think it's unfortunate that that's, it's getting aimed at players and a manager who haven't had anything to do with, <laughs> you know, the well, previous here's, here's the problem. Nonsense, when people get but, truly frustrated, they do really stupid things. So like an entire yeah. generation gets put out of work and doesn't have a lot of aspiration and hope. So they vote Britain out of Europe. Well, half of our fans are going to run this club into right. the ground if we're not careful. Like yeah. we need something to energize and we need a plan and we need, we need a club with conviction um, and that can be done. So, you know, I was harping back 30 years, but today is six years since we beat Arsenal in the league cup. And Paddy, I think you put a tweet out just kind of recognizing what an amazing night that was in New York. One of the very best nights we've had as the New York Owls. It's not that far behind where we were heading in the right direction. We can do it. It just, it can't look like this. No. No, this this needs to be a short stay in this league, even if it's not this year. Uh, this year, at worst case, uh, needs to be showing that we we know how to get out of this fucking division. 
on that note, hey. take a break <laughs> and we'll come back and cover the Wednesday New Year's and preview another probably 1-1 draw. Now it's time for some Wednesday news, and there is not much Wednesday news, but we will uh, scrape up what we can. A couple of loans to cover. Josh Render, who I think is like their third choice goalkeeper at this point, has made a loan move to Grantham, wherever that is. And it's on the uh, uh, Northeastern Rail Line. All right. And. <laughs> Another one of their youth players, Lewis Farmer, is headed to Redditch United of the Southern League Premier Division, uh, ahead of their home fixture versus Nuneaton Borough or Nuneaton Nuneaton Borough. I don't know what that is either. <laughs> Nuneaton, I like that, that pronunciation. Nuneaton. <laughs> so Grantham's that, like just south of Doncaster. It's not far away. Right, no, I have nothing else to say sure, about those two moves. Fine. Uh, other news. Uh, George Byers is back in training. I don't know if he'll be available at the weekend, but they could use an actual central defensive midfielder, which might be George Byers. It might not. He's not, see. but he can play one. <laughs> sure. Right. <laughs> Just like Marvin Johnson is not a center back, but he can play one. I feel like that's gone Darren Moore's grave at the moment. He's not a center half, but he can play one. Uh, uh, I, I, will, I will mention briefly the... Uh, just because when I was looking on the club website for news, it was kind of nice. The uh, uh, on Saturday, the S six food bank held a, a drive at Hillsborough, and uh, not to give praise to the club, although praise to the club for reaching out and making connection with them. But as always, praise to our amazing fan base who doesn't deserve all the angst and ennui that James pointed out uh, last segment. Um, they donated over 2,000 meals uh, or the equivalent of 2,000 meals to the food bank um, at the game, you know, trying to help those less fortunate in, you know, strange times indeed around the world. So uh, credit to the club for looking at that partnership and uh, more so credit to our, you know, remarkable fan base who, you know, goes above and beyond uh, as always. Are we really so, I mean, first of all, Justin, that's actually a really good piece of Wednesday news. Um, so I shouldn't skip over that. Are we really going to go through this whole segment without Paddy talking about self-esteem, which is an entire Sheffield Wednesday band dressed in Wednesday shirts, having an absolutely phenomenal fly up the charts? Oh, sure. It's better than the Wednesday news. Uh, if, and as this goes out tomorrow, I assume, which is Thursday, uh, you've got as, as long as the uh, next two days to get them into the top 10, right? They're number six at the moment in the midweek charts. Uh, self-esteem. Are you wearing a watch? You just looked at your wrist. Yeah, I'm not I sure am. there was. Okay, I didn't I see a watch much. there. It's very confused. Yeah. Well, two days left. Uh, self-esteem. Get them in the charts. Number six. Uh, they were on Match of the Day X10. I don't know what that even means. It's some kind of Match of the Day spin-off digital thing. I assume where they sing one of their songs and they're all wearing their Pete McKee um, typical Wednesday blue and white shirts. It was a sight to behold, and the album's fantastic as as I expected it's from Rodham. Uh, great album. And what else are you talk about in Sheffield Wednesday News? Patty, will you well, explain that for our American listeners? Because I didn't understand a fucking word you said. 
Oh, the charts. Oh, the charts is what we used to care about in England like 20 years ago. Uh, I think you call them the billboard charts in, in America. <laughs> okay, very good. So there's a band. Yeah, called and they're from Sheffield. Self-esteem. Self-esteem. So everybody mm-hmm. should go online and look up self-esteem and then purchase. And she's a massive Sheffield Wednesday fan. And you should go and buy good. the album Prioritize Pleasure is the album name. Thank you for making me be more literate, Justin, for people that don't understand what I'm saying. Speaking of, Wednesday, <laughs> speaking of Wednesday shirts, uh, if you're into retro Wednesday shirts, the Terrace has just put up another retro Wednesday shirt pre-order. It's a 1994 Keeper shirt, but it is stylized like a short sleeve kit rather than sort of the what I imagine just layers upon layers of polyester long sleeve 1994 goodness this was a this was divisive within the group when i put it in the chat before we started recording i i believe patty you wanted the full long sleeve glory boy yeah, james was definitely critical of it i could only see there's letters behind it which i don't understand right so it's, it's that black and white grayish goalkeeper kit. Yes. Um, i mean it's the swfc watermark but in a weird like but you can't make out the W or the F. You just look like S and C yes. repeated over yes. and over and over again. <laughs> and King appears to be in there as well. Yeah, I don't Puma, think, uh... Puma King is like a, yes. a bigger branding than uh, Sheffield Wednesday FC, but oh, who cares? Go to the Terrace if you want to buy one. Yeah, I no free advertising and all, but the Terrace does a wonderful job in a partnership with our club. has has worked well since our club doesn't seem to possess the ability to... Uh, take advantage of the fact that all of us are willing to spend lots of money on uh, throwbacks because once y'all again, are, James like pointed James, out, that's when all the was, yeah. right? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I bought multiple items from the terrace. They're all of good quality and, uh, you know, however that particular kid is shit. But that's just my I was, opinion. I was just about to say, if the terrace wants to sponsor us, <laughs> And get in touch at alzamericas at gmail.com. <laughs> that would have been so just perfect leading to our sponsorship yeah. like grab. And you said I hey. will I will make up for it by directly reaching out to them on the socials myself <laughs> and apologizing when I do so. Because most of their stuff has been great. And I appreciate but, what yeah, they yeah. do. Yes, yes, Justin. That's all well. <laughs> but before you do that, we have the Cheltenham Town preview. So take it away, Justin. I have to. Uh Cheltenham Town is in the uh, lovely county of Gloucestershire, uh, which uh, I believe at some point recently we had some trouble discussing Gloucester uh, and the pronunciation of, but as a New Englander and more importantly, as a Bostonian, uh, we're all familiar with the fine seaside town of Gloucester. So pronouncing Gloucestershire is of no issue for me. So Cheltenham falls into the same category as all of the other crap teams that we've played. They are a very old and very minor uh, British club. They're formed in 1887 and uh, they did not make uh, the football league until 1999. So quick math, it's a hundred, <laughs> hundred and twelve years of non-league football. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. No, and that's, and again, this is not like, 
quick step back, and I, I don't want to editorialize, but we talked about a lot. We talked about the Super League, and now we've got you know the Newcastle nonsense going on. And does Cheltenham this, Town have a portrait of Sheffield Wednesday, like getting older in their uh, attic or something? It's like two <laughs> ships crossing in the night in 1999. Oh God, I hope not. That would explain a lot, wouldn't it? Uh, but no, I want to. I want to totally respect and honor like these smaller clubs and these smaller towns for what they are and what they represent for their community. So I, I don't mean to be dismissive of, you know, who they are and what they are. It's just, as James pointed out, it's very frustrating to be in a position where, you know, you can be at a higher level than, than this. Um, so I apologize to any and all Cheltenham fans and any and all football fans for uh, being dismissive of it. James. Just one quick editorial comment, Justin. Please. Um, I, Please. I agree with your uh, your general synopsis, which is that we shouldn't besmirch the good name of these important community clubs who we're playing at the moment. Cheltenham, on the other hand, is not a community that we need to feel is in any way in need of our beneficiary or our sport. It's a posh part of England, which is really a horse racing town with a lot of kind of, you know, regal kind of poshness going on about it. So don't feel too sorry for Cheltenham Town. Um, and yes, we absolutely should be smashing them. Anyway, yes, back to what yes, you're saying. We, no, you're, you're you're absolutely right. And uh, as a fan of guillotines, uh, I, I support your general. Uh, I support your general thesis with that. That escalated um, quickly. Hey, man, listen, it's 2021. The world is on goddamn fire. Like things escalate quickly these days. Anyway, the the nice thing for uh, Cheltenham Town is uh, they were able. Steve Cotterell was their manager when they did this, by the way, which it's longer ago than I thought. So impressive of him to still be bumping around and being fairly successful as a manager. But they uh, they got up to the conference in 1997 after being in very local leagues. Uh, they won the FA Trophy in 1998, which is the FA Cup for the fifth through eight. Uh, tiers, kind of a poor man's uh, pizza cup, if you will. And then they advanced to the league in 1999. Uh, They're known as the Robins. And literally the only other interesting fact I found about this club, but I did think this was pretty cool, is their manager, Michael Duff, is the only person, and this is just, you know, Wikipedia, but I I clicked on the sources, so I found some articles that suggested this. he is the only person to travel from the eighth tier of English football to the first tier of English football sequentially. So he played for a series of clubs and went from the eighth to the seventh to the sixth and whatever. I hope you guys know what sequentially means and played in the Premier League with Burnley. Um, so congratulations, Michael Duff. Um, so speaking of Michael Duff, um, uh, Cheltenham fans have been very pleased with him from what I could read online, um, various message boards and, and things of the like. He, he really prefers to play a 3-5-2, which uh, to show some of his tactical acumen really tends to change, uh, not just game to game, but moment to moment. Uh, without the ball, they really drop deep. Um, it, it would look more like a 5-1-2-2, if you will. Uh, with the ball, it's more of a 3-1-4-2. So the, the basic idea is that he's always got a defensive midfielder protecting the back line and that without the ball, the wingbacks or fullbacks will drop deep, uh, generally in a flat five. But 
uh, with the ball, they tend to go forward to provide some width. Um, recently, they've been using uh, what I kept reading was described as a 4-3-3 um, or a, yeah, check this, people, a 4-1-2-1-2, uh, which to me sounds like a 4-4-2 with people moving around. Um, but the basic idea is that he is always going to have a solid back with at least one midfielder hanging back and protecting and uses the fullbacks or wingbacks for width. Uh, he really likes to use his width and uh, move the ball forward, uh, usually short passes, but sometimes direct. Uh, Patty, you want to come in right now? Get no, your hand raised no. and all that. <laughs> Raise my hand in Zoom, which is the international sign of I'll come to come to me when you're done. Um, oh. I don't want to stop this great content, Justin. I've got some stupid very good. I'm, I'm stupid not sure how great it is. It's just what I fucking <laughs> spent most of my afternoon looking at and reading about. So anyway, point is we're expecting to see uh, some people at the back. Uh, the back line will be protected by a central midfielder, and they like to really use their width and uh get the ball in from the outside. They don't care how they get it in, whether it's crosses, free kicks, or, uh, which is always enjoyable, long throws. Although the uh, long throw specialist for them is a man named Ben Tozer, uh, who has been injured and has been out. So their long throw has not been as effective as uh, they like to be. Uh, anyway, players to keep an eye on. Uh, up front, they've got a kid named Kyle Jones, or I'm sorry, Kyle Joseph, uh, 20 years old. He's got three goals, two assists. He's on loan from Swansea. I read multiple multiple reports from opposing teams who talked about how effective he was and his ability to move and really drag the back line around. So we really want to keep an eye on Joseph. And uh, Andy Williams is uh, an old man, uh, not old for us, but old for football, 35. He's also got three goals and assist. He will likely be the other forward. And Alfie May, uh, who is promptly in the middle of them at 28, will sometimes play up front, but is usually an attacking midfielder amongst that five. He's also got three goals and two assists. They've got a very consistent back line of Boyle, Pollock, and Long. Um, those tend to be the um, three in the back. And the Chris Hussey and... I'm sure I pronounced that wrong, but uh, I will not pronounce Matty Blair wrong. Um, those are your left and right, respectively, uh, whether it's wingbacks or fullbacks, depending on what they're playing. Um, but I think what we're, what we're going to see out of them is a team, again, they want to get the ball out wide and fire it into the middle. And very disappointing to hear our talk about I don't know, 35 minutes ago about how we can't defend in the air because it looks like that's what we're going to need to do against these guys on uh, Saturday. Let's try five fullbacks. <laughs> Justin, that was great, but I could have uh, could have tightened it up a little bit and just said it's going to be a one-one draw. <laughs> I mean, Jeff, this is but this is the like my downside, my down, my thumbs down for the for the game was same old shit. Like this is exactly it. It is another club that we have more talent than. We are a bigger club than. We have better fans. Like, there's zero reason why we shouldn't go out there and come away with a 2-0 or 3-1 victory. There's nothing on paper that suggests otherwise, except we've all been watching the shit for 
three years or five years or 10 years or 20 years or 30 years. And we know what the fuck is coming. So I, I've been uber optimistic and usually have a very positive outlook, but shit's tiring. This is not, I, I just, let's go out there and smash this team. There's nothing in their profile that suggests they're in 14th place. They have five wins, three, three losses, six draws. They have a minus seven goal difference. They played good for a little while. They played bad for a little, like, this is not a team that it should be an issue. Uh, Dennis Adenarin had a great interview after the last game. And he said, which I appreciated, uh, the locker room or dressing room, whatever you guys call it, is angry. And good. You fucking should be. You can't keep getting draws against these clubs that aren't as good as us. Oh, he, he was uh, genuinely pissed off. I, and I, Yeah, he should I, be. And I, I really like that. Um, it does show that, that it, there is some passion there and there's some kind of like belief. Who he's pissed off at um, is a bit concerning. Maybe he's pissed off maybe the office of Darren Moore, this team selection. Who knows? Uh, but it, it does. The interview with him was quite refreshing in my eyes. Uh, it was kind of like a, an insight into how people are feeling, and he, he just seemed very frustrated. Um, so yeah, I, I, I am uh, I'm on board with that kind of feeling at the moment. And if that the whole players are feeling <laughs> the same way, we're all feeling that way, right? Yeah. You hope the players are. And that's a nice thing to hear that. You're right, Patty, because last year, if they had interviewed Adam Reach, who, again, is <laughs> one of Reach's biggest defenders. The king like, of indifference. Right, exactly. And player <laughs> after player, like, well, you know, like, good. You should be pissed off because we, would you say, Jeff, hey, undefeated in four? Well, yeah. you know, we need to be better than that. And this is a game I don't care if it's on the road. I don't care about any of this and that. We need to walk out of there with three points. It's just dumb otherwise. Patty, do we have any other business? No, but I, I, I want to carve out a niche for myself here. So uh, to get to get through this season, I've realized that uh, Lincoln City preview I asked you last week, because Johnson was one here, it, it awakened something inside me because there was something in that preview uh, about the imps, <laughs> which, which, really, which, really, <laughs> which really brought it out. And I was like, there has to be more talk about and people's um, nicknames uh, as we go through this. So I was desperately finding something, trying to find something interesting about Cheltenham over the last like day. Uh, and I think I might find something at the last minute, uh, if only to slag them off. I'm not going to set up the expectations. It's not an imp story, put it that way. So the team started life in a deep red kit, right? Deep red kit. I think, oh, they're called the Robins now. Clearly that's from the deep red uh, kit they used to wear. No, they were called the Rubies back then, right? The rubies, I assume, because it's what, what is back then? 1887. 19, 19, well, when the first starts, yeah, 1892 to 1903. 20, first 20 years of their existence. Deep red kits, almost like a robin, you think. No, the rubies, they call themselves. In 1903, they changed to red and white kit and thought, oh, that, that looks like a robin. <laughs> we'll, change, we'll change our nickname to the robins when they turn to red and white striped kit. Why? There's no explanation for that. And it, that 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 kit and that nickname has stuck since the 1903 when they changed went from a pure like dark red solid kit to red and white stripes. Have they ever seen a robin? I'm not quite sure. Buddy, <laughs> can, can I just qualify exactly what, what 
direction you're heading in here because you said you wanted to carve out a niche for yourself i mean this this is very very niche oh um, I'm deep origin of nicknames just to, to confirm this is where the direction yeah, you want to head in that's what i'm going justin if you can carve out about five minutes for me every episode to talk about the stupid nicknames i'm up for that i will uh i'll dig into the nickname history of the shitty teams we're playing against every week so i have no issue with that but should i then stop looking up the nicknames because again i looked into it and i was like oh there's they're oh. just the fucking robins i found a wordpress <laughs> site just in a way i went deep i went deep state on this uh, cheltenham uh, town it's funny you say deep stakes the only really interesting thing around cheltenham apart from the race course is gchq which is like the British equivalent of the NSA. It's actually also a building which gave Apple their inspiration for their big circular designer in Cupertino. So if you want to find out who's really listening to your phone calls, it's probably the British Secret Services in Cheltenham. I'll just point out the important information there is they wear a red and white kit. We will not see the unlucky pink jerseys this weekend. Mm -hmm. That's big. (laughs) I I might might have to amend my uh, prediction. (laughs) <laughs> we win one nil but we desperately hang on for the last 20 minutes <laughs> best we can hope for you've been listening to episode 154 of the owls america you can find us on the internet at owlsamericas.com email the show at owlsamericas at gmail.com find and follow us on twitter and instagram at owls americas our podcast intro on bumpers i fellow wednesday guys for up in the makers the podcast is on itunes soundcloud spotify google podcast podbean and probably anywhere else you choose to download podcasts. There's no wrong way to listen to the show. Just do what feels right. Wherever you choose to consume the Owls Americas, we ask you rate and review the show. It helps more Wednesdayites find our ramblings. Justin is on Twitter at New England Owl. Justin, what are you going to do if the power outage continues on and you cannot procure more alcohol? I, I Jeff, let's not. That's... you don't want to end on a dark note <laughs> no i'm gonna drive off cape like <laughs> let's let's not hey. deal with my very highly functional alcoholism it's not it's not think really, of the positive uh, things just in for a public forum you can't watch the wednesday game if there's a power out no patty that's from i i have power I can watch these things. I just don't have the booze. And I put a big fucking dent in the vodka tonight. So I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about tomorrow night. We'll see how that goes. James is on Twitter at Manhattan Owl. James, what will your first order of business be as Mets general manager? <laughs> Knowing absolutely jack shit about baseball. Jeff, can I just say fire the squad? <laughs> no. No, no, no. Probably fine. Patty Extend on, Conforto. Patty is on Twitter <laughs> at New York Owls and at Patty A. Jones. Patty, if Wednesday were to change their nickname right now, what would you change it to? <laughs> you are the nickname. You, you wanted this niche. You got it now. Um, can we have a poop emoji? <laughs> That's what I was about to come up with. Hey, can I honestly throw this in randomly? Because I've thought about that a lot. I really think that we should totally rebrand and just call ourselves the Wednesday, the way that we did 120 something years ago. I think just being the Wednesday is. I like that. I think I like that's that. the way to go. Um, yeah. I really like that. I, I've actually called my FIFA Ultimate Team the Wednesday, and that's what I'm going to do after I finish this call with you guys. I'm going to go into FIFA Ultimate Team because they've got this one to get into the podcast too. They have um, a. Like a prize at the moment and FIFA Ultimate Team, where you can get the Sheffield FC retro kit, 
This is like Ooh. Ultimate Team. The red and black one? Yeah, yeah. The Ultimate Team FIFA is like, they have like prizes like you can get Pele, you can get Messi from like 20 years ago. You can have these like iconic players. And like one of the, the prizes at the moment for like Ultimate is a Sheffield FC retro kit, the first club in the world. I mean, think of the calls that have had to be made between Sheffield FC and FIFA. They've got a better marketing team than we have. <laughs> I was about to say. Hold on, Paddy, is, this is news to you that Sheffield FC have a better marketing team than we do. They got no. Pele to play in their centenary game or the 150th game or whatever it was. Hey, right. Pele, Pele played in Hillsborough. But not, not in the Sheffield FC game. Ironically, he played that one at Bramall Lane. He did play at Hillsborough in the World Cup. That's totally different. He played with Santos too, right? Mm. Yeah, no, that's he played he played there with Santos. That was a that was a big event. But yeah, yeah, yeah I'm a proud FC. member of uh, Sheffield FC. I, I honestly like without going into it, every single person that listens to this pod should shell out the like 40 bucks or 50 pounds or whatever it is. Just support your local grassroots football, especially mm. that club. You know, you if you want to be it, Justin. I'm, uh, no, I'm going I'm not, back I'm to the UK joking. in December. I'm, I'm genuinely thinking about going to see Sheffield or Hallam FC rather than going to Hillsborough. No, like... fuck Hallam. In <laughs> <laughs> my no, local either, club, they're like a mile down the road. Either way, <laughs> support, support grassroots football. Support but, grassroots not Hallam, football. but not Hallam FC. Fuck <laughs> also, Sheffield Wednesday might be a grassroots football team at some point. But we'll still be podcasting oh, about it then. Oh, but also, I hope so. I hope so. Next week. <laughs> Thank you.